Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your boy Chris. I want to welcome an amazing guest and a dear friend of mine, Mr. Mike Branson, on the episode. He is the president of Global Air at Remanufacturing. So he's kind of in the know for the future of HVAC and he shares some of his insights and some headwinds that we might see going into the future. But I want to also mention that the REAM Pro Partner in RUD Pro Partner International Conference is coming up in March of 2022, March 9th through 10th to be exact, at the MGM Grand. These guys put on one heck of a show. It's going to be pro-powered. And maybe if we're lucky, I'll get to speak there. We'll get to have the uh, a live podcast recording there. Regardless, if you want to get signed up, go to propartnerconference.com and get registered. You do not want to miss it. Now enjoy this episode with my man, Mr. Mike Branson. This is To The Point, a Rhino experience, voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts, cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up To The Point listeners? It's the host of To The Point Home Services podcast, Cristiano, along with my extra tall, extra lean cycling buddy, Mr. Co-host Tall Paul Redman. What's up, buddy? Well, hello, Christopher. It's nice to see you. Today is the first day I've ever heard anyone refer to you as Christopher, and it's a special day. It so is a special I'm day. Excited. We have Rhino Royalty on the podcast today, and he's humble. He's going to say no, no, but it's what it is. But actually, nope, before there's no it, Rhino. Before it was this guest. Rhino Royalty, it would have been Brickyard Marketing Royalty. Because that's what the name of the company was back in the day. So for any of those who are wondering what the heck I'm talking about that might be listening for the first time on this episode, I'm the CEO of a company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, which, again, what you just heard was called Brickyard Marketing back in the day and, and really is a digital marketing company for HVAC, plumbing, electrical. It's since grown a little bit since uh, we first since I first met my guest. Um, but let's go ahead and introduce him, bring him on. Let's get into a little history lesson and some of his background. So... First and foremost, I want to welcome my friend, a mentor of mine, Mr. Mike Branson. On hey, Mike, I'm so grateful to finally get you on here. Chris, it's a it, it's great to be on here with you and to meet Paul and uh, and to, to be a part of this. It's it's awesome what you've created and all the lives that you're touching. Absolutely amazing. Well, listen, it starts with you. So I want to give our listeners a little insight into who Mike Branson is, besides my mentor and my friend. Um, so I met Mike. Gosh, I think it was back in 2007. Um, and really I was just learning. I was a digital marketing. I was an internet nerd and I was just trying to start my own company. And, um, as you know, the struggle of starting your own company, it was tough. I didn't know anything about business. I just knew that I needed to get some customers and do internet marketing for them. And I just started to get into the HVAC space and had a lot of success with it. And ultimately how I ran into to Mike and Mike was even as the brand manager at that point for this major corporation was willing to give me his time and help me learn. Um, and so what uh, and I'll get into a little bit of the history lesson too, but I, I uh, th that right up front told me like, oh my gosh, like even though this, you know, it, given the lack of time you have in that role, uh, that you are still willing to give me time and, and teach me about the HVAC industry from the manufacturer, the OEM perspective, which was a whole new world I had to learn um, beyond what I was doing, just working with the actual contractors. So, but Mike is currently the president of Global Air at Ream Manufacturing now. Um, and we'll get into some of your history, but you've been there almost 11 years now, right, Mike? Something like something somewhere along that along those lines. It it has from when from the time you and I met, I uh, was at that corporation for an extended period of time. Then I was in uh, wholesale distribution. We'll talk more about that and 
well, how that even evolved since you and I originally met, my understanding of contractors and, and, and their needs and how we can better support them as OEMs and as distributors. And then I've been at Ream for 11 years uh, running our, our global air business, which is residential, commercial, commercial refrigeration in, uh, in markets around the world. It's been a, it's been a real joy, blessing. Uh, now you're an engineer by trade, right? Absolutely, so in I fact, bet. yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, just about every leader at Ream, not by requirement, it's just evolved <laughs> that way, is either an engineer or scientist, you know? At the end of the day, we make products that move heat. And uh, so it's just kind of, but then it's folks like everybody who's listening today has that entrepreneurial spirit and drive and, and turning it into something. And you learned it from the best college in the entire world. What's that college? Boiler Mike? up, baby. Boiler up. <laughs> That's right. Purdue University, the way college is supposed to be. You like that, Paul? I do. Paul went to a much different school, but anyhow, so uh, I'm so excited to have him on you. Like I said, I met you back in 2007, which seems like a lifetime ago. Um, and really, it really kind of was a lifetime ago, but I want listeners to know something. Why Mike Branson is so important beyond just being my mentor because Rhino Strategic Solutions Brickyard Marketing would not even be a business if it wasn't from a little nudge from Mike. But there's also something that's really important with that. Everybody in here knows Mike Branson. Mike Branson doesn't even know it. <laughs> in this office knows it. I've told you this before, Mike, so you know this, but um, whenever I, we share the story with our employees, which by the way, just so you have an idea of what that looks like when it was just, when we were doing this, it was me and Anna, my wife, you know, we, we started the business on our, on our own. And today, including all of our rhinos, we're up over a hundred of us all still focused on the HVAC plumbing electrical space and starting to dip into some roofing stuff um, and garage doors. But it started with the call. I remember the call as vivid as, as, as the day it, w it happened, and I can I know exactly where I was whenever I talked to you, and I was struggling. I was struggling because we you I was I was being um, I was, uh, joined a, a company that was part doing digital marketing for uh, the manufacturer at that point in time, and I was struggling with the direction, and you know, and and I was struggling with like what should I do, and and I called Mike, and uh, Mike graciously uh, helped me understand. Um, that it was okay if I needed to make a move to, you know, believe in myself and to, and to follow kind of what my beliefs are. And you introduced me, Mike, to, on this phone call, to um, the website Bible Gateway. And you told me that night to pray on it. Because, like, we kind of had this conversation. And this is like it was an uncomfortable conversation for me at the time because I was really, really, really new, like, in, like, I would say it was my walk. So you told me about Bible Gateway and that it spits out um, these daily, you know, verse of the day. And that's how I could begin to start to understand and learn. And I could ask you questions if I, like if, if a verse came up. So mm -hmm. the very first verse I got the next day when I was trying to think, man, what do I do? Like, where do I go? Do I stay with the company I'm at? Do I go and do my own thing? And, and what do I want to do? First verse I got, Paul, do you know what it was? I'm trying to remember because I know it's your favorite. And I, I, if I drag this out long enough, I'll remember, but not offhand. It's on my wall. It's Joshua 1, 9. And so this is what it says, okay? It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. So this tells you, like, so do you remember what the rest of it is, Paul? No, go ahead. Thank <laughs> you for putting me on do the Do not spot be there. afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Was the first verse I got. Since that day, Mike, I've prayed that exact same verse every single day. It's the first thing I do before I walk in the office, in the studio. Every single day since that day, it's on my finger. 
It's on my wall in the office, and I get to tell that story, and it all started from that. But that's what gave me the courage to move forward and do my own thing. And it's I've never looked back since. So here we sit today, and I run a podcast that literally is impacting tens of thousands of customers' lives or contractors' lives, which is awesome, and a and a super successful company with six hundred plus cu- you know customers and a phenomenal reputation. And I'm still in the trades, and I love it. So thank and you. That is a, it's just funny to me because because uh, we don't know how we're going to be a conduit. You know, <laughs> it wasn't me talking to you, right? That was, that was somebody else much more important. And I just said what I'd say to anybody at that time. I just happened to be blessed to be a conduit of that and, uh, and, and, and how that seed has grown since then. So that's a remarkable story. I think we can all probably share those. I know every one of us is at a, a different point in our beliefs and our faith journeys yep. and the, the, the religious practices we may have been exposed to or, or how we're challenged by them. And uh, the, the whole point is, uh, is being open, is to, is to listen and uh, remarkable. Yeah, and, and it's just like neat. This is almost a full, a come full circle moment um, for yeah. me, and that's why I've always been. I've been so eager to bring you on board. And honestly, what's kind of interesting about this is I really want you. This is going to sound silly, probably to some of you guys, but um, to me, I really wanted you to be like to to be. You know, oh my gosh, like I'm Chris. Look what you did. Like I'm proud of you. And I'm like, to me, I'm proud that we've accomplished these things. But I don't forget, like my goodness, where I was at when this whole thing started was rough, and. It was a tough climb, and so it's just a pretty neat moment to even think back to. I mean, when we got to to really start to connect again was you know we you know Rhino, my company, uh, became a Rhino Pro partner in 2017, and yes. so that was a pretty cool thing. And we you know, and even though I didn't get to go to the previous conference, you know, we were we were there and represented. I had an inflatable Rhino running around there, <laughs> um, around there. I got some great video from it. But we'll be back at the uh, Ring Pro Partner uh, International Conference. I think it's March 9th and 10th in Vegas, MGM this year. Um, Correct. That's exactly right. Pro powered. It's a big one. So I will it's be. the biggest the, one, right? It's a big boy. It will be. There will be uh, thousands of people there. Our Ream and Rude Pro Partners will be there. It's over a period of four days, two for each brand. There is limited availability. We only have 5,000 seats. So uh, certainly as, as we reach out to you through the channels, you better secure your space soon because it'll fill up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will be there this year. I mean, I, I guess it's it. I guess it's next year. I guess it'd be 2022. Yes. So I'll be there next year. So um, anyway, thank you, man, for spending your time on here. Again, I understand that um, time is, is the most valuable asset and our listeners, same thing. So I know you want me to get to it. You want me to get to the point, Paul? Somebody actually replied to a post to the um, to one of the episodes we did the other day and told me to strike point. I just said to the strike point, and I said, "I got it." it I made, I couldn't figure that out. I now I know. It made me laugh. It was basically like you never get to the point, Chris. So uh, I'm getting to the and point okay. right now to be uh, you know cautious with all of our time. So Mike, let's go ahead and jump right into this if you're ready for it, and let's go ahead and let our listeners know. Just tell us a little bit about your story how, and then how you got into the trades. Yeah, the, the pro partners and those of you that were able to attend the conference in 2017 certainly heard my story. I guess I got into the trades when I was five years old. I, I didn't, like many many of, of your customers uh, and, and your partners that you're helping grow, some it's been in the family for a long time, perhaps even generations. Uh, some of us, it's, it's not. And for me, my dad uh, was an engineer. He thought he could do everything. Like most engineers, we all think we can do anything. <laughs> right. But, uh, but uh, we did everything together. He, we were buddies. And we had 1972, I guess it was. And he said, he said, man, I have allergies bad. We need to put air conditioning in the house and we're going to do it ourselves. 
oh, okay, dad. So we went around to different wholesalers and most of them were smart enough not to sell to somebody that didn't know what they were doing. But we finally found one in Anderson, Indiana and brought the stuff back home. And, and we lived in a house built in the 60s, so very low roof line. So I, I turned out to be very handy to crawl through that, to help install the ductwork and to help put the holes in. We did a, it, it not, not real optimal. We probably should have gone through the crawl space, but we put this air handler in the ceiling and the rest. And so really introduced to HVAC when I was five years old and it was tough. This was like a July installation, a hot Midwestern Humid. summer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've got this child labor up here putting this in and <laughs> we get done. And, and, uh, and my, my dad said, what do you think? I said, I'm hot. I'm tired. I said, I, I really don't like doing this, you know? And so we started a list of things we don't want to do when we grow up. And I decided a career in heating and cooling was going to be at the top of that list. And over the years, we added roofing and plumbing and every <laughs> home project we did, we would laugh and, and dad passed away earlier this year, but even last year we joked about our list. So, and here you are. Mm -hmm. And here you, you remember are. that first night of air conditioning. Oh my God. It was <laughs> Is there anything better? Was, yeah. You forget about that. It was like uh, going on vacation, staying at the Days Inn Motel back there. And, you know, it was like uh, absolute comfort. So, so nevertheless, flash forward, had that little experience, obviously grew up in the Midwest, studied engineering, officer in the Navy for a bit. Um, and, and that's really worked on products that move heat, uh, worked on control systems for nuclear reactors, which isn't really a big deal. It sounds like it, but the fundamentals are the same. And so a nuclear reactor is just a big water heater. Green makes water heaters. That's all it is. So you learn those fundamentals that he transfer and controls and the rest and just became, you know, passionate about it. And after time, the Navy worked on heating, cooling for cars. And then over the past, gosh, it's been almost 25, 30 years that I've been really in the HVAC industry with OEMs, uh, with, a, with a distributor for a period of time, lots of time with contractors, spent some time thinking, do I want to be a contractor and realize there's different skill sets here. And, um, and uh, you know, my wife and I thought about it, prayed about it the rest as well, and, and realized there's people that are good at different things, and we got to use the gifts that we got and support the other folks to be successful. So kind of a quickie journey for you. So did you get pretty close? Sorry, Chris, I cut, did you get pretty close to becoming a contractor or buying a contractor? Because I think that all of us who are in this, you know, that support the industry, we all kind of look in that circle and we're like, man, it kind of looks good over there. But then we get close and it looks complex. Yep. So tell, tell me did. about that. I did. Yeah. That's a, it was when I was in distribution in the Midwest and it was, I was leading sales and marketing for this distributor in five States and um, spent a lot of time with contractors. I love that piece of my development and hopefully providing value yeah. because um, it was really appreciating those that could utilize text for selling those that didn't feel comfortable for text for selling those that had business plans, those that didn't have business plans, succession planning, pricing, all those different things. And you realize how, um, how sophisticated, how, you know, it, it could be divided into pieces to make it manageable, but there's a lot to it, right? There's a lot to all these entrepreneurs and business owners uh, that you work together with every single day. And, um, but seeing that and that entrepreneurial spirit. So yeah, it was certainly, there was a couple of contractors I spent some time on all the way to the point of reviewing financials and the rest. And, and instead of making the purchase myself, I worked together with other contractors that were growing and enabled them to, uh, to grow into that. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, and I think it's provided great value. In fact, those learnings are the foundation of the Ream and the Root Pro Partner Program, and the, the the elements that we're trying to provide. Because at the end of the day, it's about making the contractor successful. That's one thing I learned, and I will talk about it here later as well. Is you know, I represent a brand, the best one in the industry, of course, Ream Manufacturing, Root, the rest, uh, and and we're all proud of proud of our brands. 
but um, but uh, you know the the things that make a contractor successful, earning their business every day. And we realized too that the consume the the person making the most choice on what brand, what products are going to be provided is the contractor. Mm-hmm. You know, as homeowners, we call the contractor that we trust. You know, or that our neighbor recognizes, or that we heard about in social media. We contact contact that contractor we trust, and they are trusted to buy from the best manufacturer, from the best distributor partner uh, to be successful. Absolutely. Well, so um, I. I know where you're at too. Like when you're, when you're working with the contractors and obviously it's great because it's made you well-rounded for the position that you're in today. Cause you get to see it from multiple points of view um, and haven't been in the industry so long. And I know that uh, like R and D is kind of like your thing. You like that kind of stuff <laughs> quite a bit. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, in, in, in what's interesting in this journey uh, for me is I, I've been, I've been so close to pulling the trigger on uh, investing into a contractors cause I've been approached with it so many times that and I've never pulled the trigger um, because there's just so many variables that I don't know and and this is my focus like this requires all of my attention and by the way this podcast has become something that's uh, significantly larger than we had I think we had originally intended it's become like another full time job so now I really don't have time and plus you know, I got four kids so I really get zero time to do anything else other than focus on these businesses and this podcast but what we get to do from this is take that experience that you've learned from all these different um, levels and share it with our listeners because it all it takes is one nugget to make the hour-long um, podcast worth it, as long as you implement it, right? As long as you don't just, like, take a note and do nothing with it. you got to do something with it. So I've had a lot of good leadership, I think, um, that I've learned from. I've, I've, uh, I think one thing that I, I, I that I did well over the years was be okay with not knowing and asking a lot of questions and listening and then being persistent. If I was trying to get to something, I'm just continuing to follow it up over and over and over again until I got the answer I needed um, or the answer that I didn't want that I, I just try to find a different way around it to get the answer that I, to I want that I wanted. But at the end of the day, it's because I all, I wanted to do everything I can to do what's best for my customer always. Um, and so I had good leadership that I had. I you know obviously I had good mentorship. I had things I've learned from. What leaders, you know, have you had that have impacted you the most through your professional journey? Because obviously, you know, you, you kind of know where we are. I stand with you. But what did what did you have? Did you have like who was that for you? Yeah, yeah. I know each of us have it, and at every stage, you know, when we work together with leaders, what do we want to emulate? What do we realize? They may have a skill or something that doesn't align with our capabilities. Maybe they're doing something and we learned that that's not what we want to do, you know, and that, that be transparent about that too. You know, going all the way back, I talked about my dad and obviously that was a very, very big influence um, because uh, he taught me not to be afraid to go do something. You know what I mean? Go dig into it, understand it. Um, he was a, he was an engineer, but he later became a small business owner. He owned a Baskin Robbins, you know, he did different things like that. And um, he was a township trustee up until the day that he died at 78 years old. So he's always doing something. And so that taught me be engaged, do something over and over again. Uh, next big leader for me, and I'm not going to go through a laundry list here, but there's just three significant ones. You know, I was, I was fortunate. I had a great childhood and, and a lot of great activities. And for me, Boy Scouting was a big deal. Right. That was awesome to, to, to taste, to engage, to learn leadership. To me, that was the, the fraternity was, uh, experience was, was phenomenal, but it was really about leadership. And I learned beginning at 11 years old, what it meant to uh, define a goal and to set a path to get there. And that could be the goal of conducting a meeting or a camp out or of, of accomplishing some project or reading some rank. And that was a really drove hard into me what I took away from that experience. And, and while there's been a ton of them, another one is, is passed away and I never even knew him. He was, he was passed before I even went there. And that's Admiral Hyman Rickover. 
Admiral Hyman Rickover, you guys could look him up, is, is phenomenal. He's the father of the nuclear Navy. I, I just highly recommend anybody do a little research on, on him. And I was blessed to be in that uh, nuclear Navy program. And he was the one that inspired all of this and despite any challenges. So he, he conceived of the idea of a nuclear powered submarine and how to go about doing that and how to advance it forward. And he had tremendous resistance within the Department of Defense, the Department of Energy, and, and, and even in the federal government. But he just had that perseverance. We talked about that right before we came online about perseverance. And uh, he just taught us, taught us to be bold. And his legacy is still alive in that program today. So if anybody's on the call, it's part of the Nuclear Navy program, you know that. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, and um, it, it, that, that legacy of doing it, being bold about it, and always, always, always doing it right. So just, just three out of the gate, and I could, I could mention dozens more since then, but just, those are really foundational pieces that I've been able to build upon. Yeah, sure. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, thank you. Now, if you look back over your entire career from, you know, running duck work in the attic at five to now president of a global organization, you know, there's a lot of highs and lows. Tell me about some of your lowest or your lowest moment and what's your perspective on that season or that moment on the other side of it now? What did you learn? Yeah, I can. I, I know this uh, vividly well. It was not the big recession of 2007, 2008. It was one of the prior ones to that. Um, I was at the first OEM that you mentioned. I was uh, a young, you know, leader. Uh, had direct reports that worked for me, and this uh, downturn in the economy happened. And that company needed to make a decision, right? They needed, who knows, when you have a downturn, you don't know how long it's gonna last. You have to do the right thing for the owners. In that particular case, it was a publicly traded company. They needed to reduce expense. They needed to put controls in place because that was the right responsible thing to do. To me, that was probably a, a very significant learning and a most difficult time because it was the very first time that I had to uh, restructure and lay people off who were doing a good job. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to make changes if someone didn't have an organizational fit. You know what I mean? You can do it with dignity. You can do it with respect. Maybe someone's not capable. Maybe the, the, the needs of the organization have evolved. Um, those, I, those I can talk through. Those I, but, but when someone is really capable, they're doing a good job, and you got to meet a number, that's really, really hard. And, and to me, because these lives are impacted, and, um, you know, it was one where it was difficult. It was emotional making these decisions, having these communications with individuals. And I had some good support from some leaders within that company and outside of the company sharing with me their experiences over time, saying it's going to be okay. And they're absolutely right. You know, it's, it, it is having faith. It is knowing it. It's knowing that you do it with dignity and, and, and respectfully. And oftentimes, every, in fact, every single time, it worked out even better for that person that became aligned of a, of a new opportunity in the way we move into. Obviously, the organization was 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 improved for that for that period of time, 
but that was a that was a very significant one to me about knowing you have to be you have to not be afraid to make important decisions. You mm -hmm. you know you can't be afraid to do that, and you know it is a disservice um, to the owner to not make those adjustments. And particularly what I talked about before. I mean, if someone's not pulling their weight or just not aligned with the objectives of the organization, it's an obligation, you know, to you, the folks listening that are owners of their companies, to their to your employees, to the other people they look to you for leadership, to make sure you make those changes. I mean, that's that that's when that happened for me. It's probably happened for everybody else at, at some point in, in their leadership journey. Got it. Thank you. So we have uh, we're blessed enough to work with some uh, of the biggest you know contractors in uh, the United States of America. And what I love, and we've been we've even having them on as guests, and lots of people on as guests. I loved having them talk through their vulnerable moments. Um, and talking through some of these uh, like worst moments that they've been in to understand what the learning was from it and how they used it and implemented it. Because you can, you can go a couple of ways with it, right? Like you can take it, let it beat you down and do nothing with it. You can take it and learn from it and persevere and move through it and then use it for good. And I think what we find in most of the, of the most successful contractors is that they've been through multiple of those moments. It's just they learn from them and then learn what not to do, right? Or how to overcome yeah. it or to bypass that uh, issue again. So, um, and I know from your time, you know, when you're working in the, um, you know, in the sales and marketing arena, you've probably seen some, you know, some common themes among some of the most successful contractors too. What, for, now I'm listen. I know I'm telling you to go back a little bit here, but you, you've been, you've been working with the contractors a long time. What do you see as, as like a common goal between the most successful contractors? Or I mean, I'm sorry, like a common theme between them. Yeah. And this is a common theme, whether it's, one of the large contractors like you, you referred to a moment ago or somebody just getting started. You know, our industry is fascinating. Um, there's a relatively low barrier to entry to getting started. Now, whether or not you'd be successful is a total different story, but you know, it's someone can, and, and there's different paths to enter to into our business. You know, you can be a business entrepreneur and can't even spell HVAC, or you can be a super stud tech and, and, and you're gonna learn, you know, how to run a business, you know? So, so there's different ways to approach it. Yep. But one common thing you see in there is this incredible drive, this incredible initiative, this incredible passion. That is absolutely common and core in this. And what I saw as the biggest step to success is understanding what you know and what you don't know and realizing you're gonna build your team to help you grow in that, or you're gonna learn. And what's really, very, very valuable. And I know everybody here does that with you and with your network is build that network, identify those mentors. You know, some of it's going to be through your organization. Some of it's going to be by a, a local chapter nationally through ACCA, Air Conditioning Contractors Association or PHCC, certainly a factory program like our pro partner program, but being a part of mixed groups, being a part of things to share best practices with others in your market, out of your market, um, and from related industries. I, I was really excited when I heard how you expanded your business to go, uh, even if even if HVAC was a foundational element, but getting into these other categories because the fundamentals are the same. Yep. I couldn't believe it. I, I had a house and I got a water softener, right? And I had an issue with the water softener, bought a new one. And I asked the guy, I said, well, how do I sign up for a service agreement? And he looked at me blank in the face. And I said, you know, I, I want to have a recurring relationship with you. I want to, I want to know it's always working. You know what I mean? I, and, and, and he goes, well, if it stops working, just give me a call. And it was like, oh my God, you know, so I had to sit him down and talk to him how I wanted to give him money, you know, and why that was going to be good for his business and how he could expand. I had the same thing at that 
on city water now. I had a septic tank. Same thing. I had a guy from, they called it honey dippers. He had to come clean the septic tank. It's like, <laughs> dude, we, what's your subscription model for this? So I never have to call you again. And so, so you're, you're taking these fundamentals into all these other service organizations. And uh, yeah, it had a gutter guy out the other day. He needs the same story. So yeah, we, we got a lot of people we can add to the network for sure. Got it. Chris, did you want to take the next one? I'm sorry. You're no, 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 go, no. Well, Cause it actually got me, uh, it just got me thinking about, we, you mentioned septic for some reason I've been getting bombarded with septic, but one of our, we have a big player in the North and the Northwest that was just acquired. Mike, if you can imagine the volume of private equity companies that have reached out to me in the last year and a half has been insane. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Just, you know, and not necessarily I'm talking because you know, I've got uh, the home services got real popular. Uh, real popular when it was deemed essential business, which finally I think was, was great for our industry. But what I want to say um, it's good to go back before you jump in there, Paul is um, I'm thank you for mentioning, you know, I, I was talking about when we have some of our biggest contractors that came on the, uh, the characteristics of the things that they have done are uh, something you can implement regardless of size. And then you have brought yes. that back up. But I also think what's important is, and I'm glad you mentioned peer groups and things of that nature, because I think it's all extremely important. And we've, and we've had those conversations over and over again, but also, um, and we do have a lot of listeners that are, that are, you know, have broken their technicians have broke out and trying to learn business and do all these things. Maybe you don't have any brand equity yet, but guess who does the OEM that you stand with. Right. And they do have brand equity. They spend millions and millions of dollars on those things too. So you lean on it, use it. So in a sense, mm-hmm. it's obviously, you know, if you can connect with Reem and Root and you need, and you don't have very much of a brand, well, guess what? You have a partner that does and they'll be there to support you. So I encourage those things. So Paul, that's it, man. I know you want to jump in. I just wanted to, to piggyback on what Mike was saying. No, thank you. I'm going to be selfish here for a moment and kind of bring the conversation to some tactical HVAC contracting questions that we've talked about a lot on this um, podcast. And that's around the concept of private label versus branding, and then also product mix. So some of the most successful companies, objectively successful throughout the country, um, offer one stage equipment, minimum efficiency, right? And do it very, very well. And some of the most successful companies private label or have an off label. I just want to talk about that and get your perspective on that from the brand perspective, from a manufacturing perspective, from an industry perspective. Um, What are your thoughts around co-branding and driving mix and all those sort of things that, that go into being a successful HVAC contractor? You know, I, 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 I recognize that there are many different segments to the market. And there's many different segments to the people that serve that market. So I certainly would never think that it's a one size fits all solution for all of our contractor customers. In fact, it's valuable for me and valuable for them to approach it differently. So I absolutely respect those that have built their own brand and have their private label solution. And if it works for them, I respect those that maybe have an entry level kind of uh, focus. I certainly would encourage everyone to look at the different market segments and to see, can you be expanding more? Are there other segments that you grow into increase your volume and your profitability, you know, in smart ways. Uh, so for me, that, that, to me, that, that, that quilt, that rainbow is, is just absolutely beautiful because we can touch different, different segments. On it. There's others that are focused add on replacement high end only, right. And there's segments, that they serve, um, so so I think I think that's that's all a good thing. Um, I do believe I, I I agree with Chris. There there's those of us like with Rain that have incredible brand awareness. Um, you know we're doing an updated study 
but I believe if you combine air and water manufacturers, there will be none higher than Rheem. When you look at the brand visibility that we have, we're heavy in retail. Some of you see that maybe walking through Home Depot and our water heaters are available there. Our, our air conditioning units on the, are on the end cap. Um, hopefully everybody realizes that is done, not just for the sale through that channel, that is done for brand awareness. I mean, it's literally, I, I, Home Depot is probably listening right now, but that's tens of millions of dollars, tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars of, of brand awareness value that people think about that. You know, we're branded on water softeners and air filters right. and, and we're on NASCAR every Sunday on the, on the cup series. Which I so, think was smart, by the way. Yeah. You know, that was NASCAR. dumb. One is that brand awareness, right? Because everybody, because a segment of the population loves NASCAR and they follow the brands. And another one is because it helps us become closer with our contractor customers in those mm -hmm. different markets where the events are held. Uh, but 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 that that's big. However, because of my experiences in distribution and the pro partner program, there's nothing more powerful than that contractor brand itself. You know, we have to we as a manufacturer, we as a remanufacturing company, we have to earn your business every single day. We need to partner with the right distributor partners. We need to make sure you have the right product at the right price, the right availability, the right programs, the right support to be successful. We have to earn that. And, um, and, and I believe there is a value in that brand awareness that might help close a deal, uh, but, that, but, but you aren't a franchise. You, know, you, you are an independent company. And, and I, I cherish that. I, I cherish that diversity as well. Great perspective. Um, as you look out, like the next three, five, 10 years, what are some things that contractors need to be thinking about that they may not be thinking about now? What's coming? I, so I've been waiting to hear Mike's response to this. So I'm going to, because I value your opinion so much and you've been in it so long. And whenever I think of global air, <laughs> my assumption is that means literally global. Um, that means you it's must be pretty, you know, you must be in there pretty good to understand like what the, you know, from a different perspective on maybe some of us like myself or even those listening, I am really curious to hear what, what you think about this. And, and, I'll, and I'll piggyback on that to say we get all, we get asked often, Mike, about like, well, what's uh, Tesla going to do? What's Amazon going to do? What we all, I mean, this is like a common thing that we, but I want to hear what your opinion is with this. And hopefully contractors, you could take something good away with this and actually do and do something with it. Well, yeah, there's lots there's lots here you know, there's, we can talk about, uh, you know, energy efficiency changes and regulations and how products are changing. We can talk about how the channel is evolving, you know, in terms of like private equity, uh, probably dozens, if not hundreds of people on the call are getting called by private equity. They don't know what to do with all their cash right now. So they're buying businesses they don't know how to run. Yep. Uh, but that, that can be still valuable. Don't get me wrong. So for many of you that sell the private equity, that can be very valuable. It can be very appropriate and you can help run that new enterprise. So, I mean, that's certainly, certainly a great opportunity, you know, and then we've got consumers and how we as consumers are evolving. And to me, I think that's what we'll talk about as many of those as, as time allows and that you'd like to talk about. But I think that that evolution of the consumer is, is one of the most intriguing things. You know, obviously technology has enabled us to do new things. The pandemic has accelerated our exposure and our reliance on different ways of doing business. Yep. At the end of the day, how are we advancing forward the next three, five, 10 years to make life easier for these consumers? How do we make life easier for them? Bingo. You know, that's what it's all about. And, and, you know, people are like scared of online selling and all that. Well, you know, we should embrace it. I don't mean like selling a condensing unit to homeowner online. They wouldn't know what to do with it anyway. It'd be like my dad and I struggling in the attic. I'm talking about 
not just engaging in your website and social media for awareness. I'm talking about let's do a transaction. You know, let's 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 get something happen. Let's swipe a credit card here. You know what I mean? So it's it's like if if you, if you build enough confidence in your social media interaction and in, in your web presence that they're willing to schedule that appointment, you'll be there much more quickly. Get the deposit. You know what I mean? Like start to trade because you're gonna you're gonna begin that journey of owning that customer for life. You know, and and then the things that you do to continue to stay connected in the value that you do. Some of it is in marketing and some of it is in, in, in how you set up your lead generation, how you secure it. And then it's leveraging these cool things we're doing with connectivity in water heaters and pool heaters and boilers and furnaces and air conditioners and heat pumps because of the value connectivity brings. The value it brings for, for, for a contractor to know the health of the system on their dashboard, on their mission control system, to proactively be able to go to provide comfort. You know, and, and that's evolving and it's cool. Um, I, we may talk about leasing. You know, leasing is intriguing. There's um, a lot of different ways that homeowners decide to make their investment in their heating and cooling. Leasing is one that uh, my exposure to it began with water heating in the greater Ontario province, the greater Toronto area, um, and then it evolved into HVC and has now migrated through different um, service providers and different owners into the US. We're piloting many programs right now around leasing as well, but it's, it's really meant to be to help that homeowner, not just with, 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 with how they pay from a cash flow perspective, but really about, uh, I'm just paying for comfort. You know, I'm paying 150 bucks a month or whatever it is for comfort. And I never have to worry about it again. To me, that is what's intriguing. Now you go out beyond that, beyond 10 years, you know, you got to think about your succession planning. And are you, are you as a contractor, you know, setting yourselves up to have the right succession planning, whether it's to family, whether it's to, to a worker, whether it's to private equity or, or with another group, but you, you, you've worked hard, you've built something, making sure that you build that so that you can uh, maximize uh, your return on that as, as you deserve to. Yeah. Great answer. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. So I like, um, I mean, I obviously love that you start with the consumer piece because I feel like that's the end all be all is we're all doing these things to try and well, essentially client fulfillment, like overall client fulfillment, but speed is a necessity, right? And it's, and, uh, and technology allows us to do things faster, easier, which is something you said easier. And that's really pretty much our world as well is how can I bring uh, somebody who's interested in, in putting in a uh, air conditioner or furnace and make the transaction as simple as possible? Because let's be honest, there's some people that, you know, we notice from just being, I'm a, because I'm a numbers nerd, I like studying the data of what's happening in, inside Rhino is there's a lot of customers that don't even want to talk to somebody. So they just want to transact right. without having communication until, you know, until the uh, technician or installer get there. So you can like it or not, you can ignore it, but you're going to fall behind. You have to embrace those things. And I believe you need to be proactive on those things. And I think that's something that from only focusing on these trades for so long is it's allowed me to only to really only ever have to chase the technology because I know that I know the industry I'm in. I know what, um, you know, my customers, I know what the consumers are. So I'm just following the consumer trends or what I hear, you know, having in the industry and then seeing like, what kind of technology can I build around it? I mean, I, I don't know if you remember this at all. My, actually, yeah, you will remember this because you and I met on it. Um, when I started building apps, this has probably been eight, nine years ago, maybe somewhere around there. I was thinking, well, how can I build an app? Because apps are really coming on board and, and to benefit our contractors. Well, I built an app and we built ended up building like 3,500 of these things. And the point was, why would, why the heck would a heating and air conditioning contractor want an app on their phone? Like, why, why would I want that? And what, why is my customer going to download that on their phone? Well, you, I, my, my pitch was rolled in as part of your maintenance agreement. And that way, as an additional 
benefit of being a, you know, a maintenance customer, you can have this app and you kind of get, you know, preferential service or whatever, preferred service, and they could book right from their app, you know, and, and even though it didn't really connect with their dispatch software, the point was, is that the homeowner engaged in the process and then it would send them, it, you know, they had the app on their phone, it would send them monthly push notifications that just said, hey, it reminds you to change your filter, no sales pitch, no nothing, just top of mind awareness, and it worked, it worked mm-hmm. well, but it's because, you know, constantly chasing the technology is really how you can stay ahead of the game. And even the small, you know, a small contractor that feels like, man, I can't compete against these big guys. If you can get to, if you can, if you can follow technology trends and you can get to it, now I'm not saying first, just early, a lot of the other cusp, uh, companies can move a lot slower. You can move fast. You're right. And it's, it's, um, you know, we don't have to invent it all. We just have to reapply it, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at where as consumers, you know, I was on the phone with Comcast last night about a, a thing that broke because of a lightning strike. How, as an example, at least in my experience at that moment in time, how that company has evolved from being very difficult to get a hold of anyone to now it can be a chat experience or an answer on the first ring experience and get resolution quickly. I can think of uh, Verizon Wireless, Delta Airlines. I can think of Uber, you know, we can think of all these other examples. Now, how does that kind of translate? How might I, how, how might I uh, leverage something like that to make life easier, to make my, to make my company more efficient? You know, I, th- I think you're exactly right. And uh, companies like yours then can take it, and uh, you know, it, it's the fast fail concept, right? Yep. Let's go give this thing a try. Let's see what goes wrong a little bit. Let's make some tweaks at it and, and keep running. Yeah, those big brands, like you just said, are getting so much better. And it's going to put pressure on people like us and people like you and the distributors to be able to be at least at parity. I mean, we've all heard stories about calling tech support and having to wait for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or I mean, that's going to put a lot of pressure on your organization, all our organizations. How do you respond to that? And how do you incorporate that into your like technology roadmap? I mean, if the expectation is that a technician working on a unit should be able to, you know, be heard and, and picked up after one ring. Is that possible one day? Yes, yes, it is. It's happening now. And and what I'm excited about is you take, you know, we have uh, some, we love every one of our distributor customers. We have over a hundred different independent wholesale distributor customers and they're different scales in size. You know, certainly I'll, I'll holler out some names, some national ones like Watsco through Gem Air Heating, Cooling and Baker, Ferguson, Ajoka and Hughes Supply and all those, you know, and, and some, some of the co-ops in Johnstone and others. And then we've got um, more smaller, more more regionally located ones. Uh, one of the most innovative ones up in Wisconsin is Design Air, uh, and just a remarkable company that doesn't have the scale of investment of some of the national ones that are represented that have come up with incredible tools. But still, there are some small business tools that are available that they can actually identify ways and implement and move something even more quickly. You know, and I look at, at what Design Air in Wisconsin has done to, and I could I could give you dozens of other examples of our of our of our wholesale distributors that have innovated in this way, but what they've got for e-commerce, what they've got for interaction with a with a contractor, uh, the tool that they have for tech support. So I actually think the technology is enabling um, um, more medium and even smaller size uh, distributors to provide. And I think the same is true with contractors. I think it can be you know a, a person that's a single, uh, single person company that is going to evolve, they're going to need to, and that there still is the technology that's there that they can, that they can leverage. In fact, it'll even help them to be able to grow more quickly. Yeah. My thoughts. We agree. Good perspective. Um, so we've talked a lot about opportunities. Do you have any insight around headwinds that are facing contractors over the next, call it, you know, two, two years or so from a regulation standpoint, what should they be aware of? 
Probably, and I'll speak specific to HVAC, uh, but uh, you know, with regulation changes of the biggies, they're probably aware, but it's a matter of getting prepared. So the first one is uh, national energy efficiency standard changes happening in January of 2023. And there's a mix to it. You know, the past couple of changes that we've had have been manufacturer's date. So um, it's been, um, you know, it's, it's been a, still a phase in phase out plan with distributors, but they've been able to load up on the old stuff. You know, we have a manufacturer's date move on here. Uh, there's elements of it that are manufacturer's date. There's elements of it that are install date. That gets pretty complicated when you've got your regional standards in the South, particularly around your AC product in the South, that it's gonna be install date, not manufacturer date. That's gonna be a big challenge for distributors and potentially contractors for uh, supply chain uh, changes. But it is very important, whether you're doing the right thing and buying from Raymond Root or whether you're doing the wrong thing for buying from somebody else, you know, you gotta get in there and understand uh, these changes, these products that uh, that's happening and, and what's evolving. There's gonna, you're gonna see some great and cool innovations just for this 2023 change. You're gonna see, more inverters and new compressor technologies and new heat exchanger technologies, some really cool stuff that's coming out from us, probably from our competitors as well. So that's the first one. So come to the REAM and the RUD Pro Partner Conference. Even if you're not a pro partner, come because you're interested in being at a pro partner and you're gonna hear about all this stuff. The other one is uh, really um, what's probably going to be around 2025 is this change to low global warming potential, low GWP refrigerants. Uh, that is massive. So we. All of us that have been in the industry a while remember the R22 to R410A transition and what was involved with that. Uh, this is like that on steroids, you know, it's, it's, it's big. And, and the reason why it's even bigger, two reasons. Uh, one is um, uh, the potential safety issues because the solutions that are being provided are mildly flammable or A2L refrigerants. Now, it's, it's extremely mild. I mean, when you do your research and you see it and you go to the education by us and others, you'll see the the, the, the situation that has to occur to have some flammable event is pretty, pretty rare, but nevertheless, there's safety things that need to be considered in the application and controls and things like that. And the other one is we're not coalescing on a single solution as an industry. Uh, right. Different manufacturers have announced different refrigerant. Uh, uh, and so you're going to have to be up to speed on all these different refrigerants. Uh, we probably won't migrate to a single solution. It's going to be more like the refrigeration industry, which has dozens of different solutions depending on the application. We'll probably get to a couple, you know, initially, but that could evolve. So just things get more complex. So, so how do you prepare for that? That's education, education, education. Just, yeah. just sit in all you can. Rely on your manufacturers. Rely on your your uh, distributor partners, and um, and take advantage of, of what we're putting together. Become. Make sure all your technicians are NAIT certified. North America Technician Excellence. Absolutely do that. They've got incredible material for education and especially for certifying. And, and that adds, that becomes another marketing calling card as well that I have certified technicians by the most recognized certifying uh, agency. But definitely I highly recommend everybody make sure their technicians are NAIT certified. That's a good call out. And I feel like there's some work that needs to be done around just kind of the com re-commercialization of the importance of Nate, because Chris, I mean, remember when people used to list that as like highly important when we'd be oh, talking yeah. to them about marketing and now they just don't really talk about it anymore. It became kind of table stakes. Yep. Um, Mike, you just reminded me of the refrigerant change from R22 to 410A. 410A. <laughs> Where were you when the uh, concept of dry charge came to your attention and like what position did that put you in? Like, where were you at that moment? Cause I remember where I was, but where were you? Yeah, I was running product strategy for an OEM at that time. And <laughs> it was, it was pretty, pretty controversial. And yeah. uh, 
you know, and, and, and it's interesting that whole dry charge thing it, 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 it was still alive all the way through my distribution years, all the way until when I entered Rheem. And so different manufacturers had uh, different philosophies there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you, you still wanted to make sure that the systems were installed with integrity. You know, yeah. I, I was one that was never comfortable with saying, hey, I'm fine with this refrigerant and then going around the corner installing something else. You know, it, it takes three things to be good at your job, right? You have to be smart. You have to understand it. Intelligence. The second one is initiative. And the third was integrity. Three I's, intelligence and initiative and integrity. And, you know, that, to me, that's an integrity issue. So to me, absolutely no, no sneaking stuff, stuff. You know what I mean? And so a dry charge is fine if that's what it was, if it was going to be used with the refrigerant that it was qualified for. Absolutely not good if it was meant to, to get around something. I'm not opposed to dry charge as long as right. it's by property. Even around this A2L thing, I mean, certainly that's something the industry OEMs distributors have discussed. Should we just ship the stuff dry? That way we manage the, uh, the, 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 the mildly flammable refrigerant uh, containment to a certain, you know, um, supply chain stream. If that's evolving. I don't think that's going to be likely needed, but, but, um, but it, you know, it's just around the integrity of it is my issue. Got it. Thank you. Intelligence initiative and integrity, the three eyes, right? That's I think what we just, just named the podcast. My gosh, there you go. Bingo. Bank it, Ryan. Okay. So is that whenever we hire somebody and every time we do uh, leadership reviews, which we do with, I do with all of the six um, air divisions globally. And that's, uh, that's how we kind of, you know, we look at ourselves as well. So. What I love I'm, is that I'm you, thinking, you know, that he, <laughs> go ahead, Paul, go ahead, go ahead. I was just thinking if I were in a performance review with you and you were reviewing them in that order and I had, you know, I didn't have five out of five stars on intelligence that I probably, probably wouldn't hear anything else you said. <laughs> You got to have the right match. You I'd go home match. like, I think he said I had integrity, but I. I we we have this, when, when, when we map people into the, into the matrix, you know, we have a box called misapplied talent, you know, so <laughs> they have potential. They're just in the wrong chair. Got it. Yep. We've done similar, similar yeah. exercises at Rhino. We have. Uh, okay. So, well, one, thanks for sharing. Cause actually, you noticed Mike knocked out like two of our questions in, in one response, which was awesome. So thank you for sharing kind of your, your view of what the future looks like and, and giving it you know, that perspective to our, our listeners as well. Um, I want to uh, do a simple little shift here too. Um, and that is to, I know something that's important to you is, uh, is giving back. Um, yeah. One of our core values at, at Rhino is giving back and something that we've implemented from the beginning uh, and we still do to this day. It just looks a little different because there's way more of us, but we do a service day once every month. Um, where we go and serve somewhere in the community, whether you're in the office or you're a remote employee, doesn't matter. But you, we do it one Friday every single month. Um, so we like to continue to give back. Um, what is something that, uh, and this is, you know, and this isn't something I, I, you know, I had intended on asking, but I do want to hear how, you know, everyone to hear how important it is to give back because doing good is good business. But what is something that you guys uh, do or some sort of program that Reem Root or whoever, you know, or whichever has in place to give back? Yeah, that's a, it's, that, that's important. It's just the right thing to do. And we have a global initiative that has a local execution called Heart of Comfort. Heart of Comfort is, is the name of it. And it's, it's very, it's about, um, about helping people and it's about helping employees and their families. It's got elements about helping the communities where we work. It's about helping our supplier partners when they're challenged. And so we have a, many global initiatives and then many, many um, local ones. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a habitat house. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, supporting the local Red Cross with things. 
And so it's, it's, it's very defined, but, but at the end, it's about, you know, people being comfortable. And so I'm thrilled with what we've done. A lot of it goes silent, even though we could get some more marketing press from it. A lot of it's just doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And we have heart of comfort celebrations just within the community of what did we do and why, and now how can we extend that further? And it gives a lot of fulfillment to the whole Ream family and the Ream community uh, for what we're doing. Over the past couple of years, we've really reached out a lot because there's been so many storms, you know, over the past couple of years, right. particularly in the South and the Southeast. And so, you know, uh, you know, some of our customers had like Wittigen Supply, Coburn Supply, uh, Gem Air Heating and Cooling, have had um, employees severely impacted. And we were able to make contributions and efforts and labor, you know, to help them with a leg up in a very, a very thoughtful way. So another thing I'm real proud of is we have a community of veterans within uh, Ream uh, that support one another, but also support other, other veterans, not even those that are employees, but uh, we have, have joined a, a corporate program um, that we are matched up individually as veterans with active duty people that will soon be transitioning into the workforce and we become their mentors. I had a one that was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, now I'm working with a captain in the Navy. And it's 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 just being, you know, someone to talk through that journey that they're going on. And it's been, you know, you, you, it's been, hopefully we're providing value, right, to the recipients, but gosh, it sure is fulfilling uh, for ourselves as well to know we're a part of somebody's journey. Heck yeah, like I, what I would like to say is, um, if you think about it from the straight business and financial perspective of when you, sh when you basically take an office and shut it down for half a day to go and serve somewhere, that's a lot of salaries you cover. So if you look at it short side, that's a lot of salaries to cover for really no output. Um, if you look at it that way, but if you look at it from our lens, it is a way for us as uh, business owners to pour into our staff to do something that's not for us, not for them, but for someone else together. So it builds this nice little synergy around, you know, and you feel good and you create this, uh, like when you go and give back to somebody else together, that unless you have zero emotions, it impacts you one way or another. But, and so there's, there's really nothing to, for you to gain other than you get to feel good about it. And I love being able to give that opportunity to a lot of our um, employees because maybe some of them wouldn't have done it, didn't know how to do it. And we do, we like to do those things, give back and then try and encourage our story and how we do it to try and get other businesses to get on board. Maybe it doesn't look the same. Like so with COVID, it started to look a little bit different because I mean, having a big group isn't really an option. Um, so you have to kind of split up and do things, but no matter what size, uh, if you're a if you're a single guy, single gal that's you know running a business right now, you can still do something, and I promise you, like you may it may not seem like it's doing you any good. You can't look at it that way. You got to give without expectation. But I promise you, the universe will reward you handsomely if you continue to give back. Because doing good is good business. You know, that's one good thing with COVID. I haven't been traveling as much, right? Yeah, so uh, same. We all have tra have tra needed to travel a lot for different jobs and going globally, you know, usually four days a week or more has been, uh, but being more stable, I've been able to give blood every eight weeks on the button, gave blood yesterday, you know, and uh, I have a positive, which is really, really common. I have a subtype called RO, which is needed for people with sickle cell anemia. So what, a, you know, in an only less than 1%, I understand the blood uh, donors have that particular uh, blood type. And so it's like, hey, you know, it wasn't out of the way and I get a free snack, you know, and <laughs> Well, but yeah, there's, there's stuff that we can work into our days. So love it. Now, Paul, I know I skipped a, and a question that you probably wanted an answer to, but I'm going to go past it anyhow, because I think we're what are roughly 50 minutes into the, into the podcast too. Okay, perfect. So, um, one, I want to just say again, thanks for sharing that. I think it's important for uh, everyone listening to understand, 
um, a couple of different, multiple different things is that you just need to find one thing to hang on to that. And that you, like I said earlier, that you can apply and in, into your business and move it forward. It doesn't necessarily mean to be business. It can be, like I said, you know, giving back is another big piece of it. And let me tell you something. Um, I know there's like always this weird thing about, you know, don't tell, I think it's what, don't tell the right hand what the left hand's doing. I forget what that it's something along those lines, you know, <laughs> I might have butchered that, but you know what I'm talking about. It's okay. <laughs> Can't even piece it together. It's okay. <laughs> to share as long as the intent is good. As long as the intent is good, you're going to go and serve and you want to let everyone know so they can potentially find this place and go and serve. I'm a fan of that. Now, people are like, oh, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I went and gave back. Well, what's your intent? If your intent's good and you want to put it out there to try and share what you've done with others, then by all means, do it. I'm a fan of those things. Like your heart for- You're inspiring- you're inspiring other people to give as well. So you're exactly right. Yeah, sir. Certainly you get some, some brand awareness from it and yep. some value from it. You know what? You can, you can reinvest that to do more good things. So don't, don't, point. a hundred percent. So I do want to segue into our last question and uh, it's a simple one and, and, and it's around legacy. And, and I've, I've said this a couple different times and we've really only started asking this more recently, Paul, like, and I think this is a great question to ask. And I love asking the right people too. So, um, I, whenever I was first asked on what, what do I want my legacy to be? Uh, I remember thinking like, Oh my gosh, I don't really know what I want my legacy to be. Now I'm 42 years old. So I am, it's my legacy is very clear on what I want it to be getting today. Getting close. <laughs> Quiet, Paul. So, Hey, respect your elders. Okay. <laughs> respect your elders. Um, but I know what my legacy is, but I've also noticed that, um, it starts to evolve into something greater as I learn more about myself and about just things and the impact that I can have as I've grown. But the base has been the same. Now for you, what is Mike Branson's legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? You got a big family too. So like, I don't know. I mean, it could be, you know, I'm not talking just professionally, but I'm talking in general. Like what is Mike Branson's legacy? You know, even though it's funny, I used you know, when my kids are all adults now, but you know, when they were little, you know, we would talk about things. And I think my daughter one time, so oh, you're kind of a big deal in the heating and cooling industry. <laughs> stuff. But in reality, we're all nothing. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're one living creature out of the billions. And, um, you know, keeping that in perspective, you know, I, I hope I, we all have to have a level of ego to be in these leadership roles that we're in to run our businesses. But we need to, we need to temper that, you know, and, and, and put it with reality. Because at the end of the day, you know, I, I hope I don't care if anybody remembers my name. I hope nobody cares if I did good for them or not. I just hope that I can do good, you know, that that I can make somebody's life better. That's it. That's it. Nothing more, man. Paul, you trying to say something before I go in? No, I'm good. just listening. Because, yeah. um, well, I'm glad that, um, like you mentioned, the ego thing, I, I, I agree. But I'm super grateful that um, – you foregoed that to help me because if you look at it from a, uh, a macro perspective, I'm doing all this serving with the company that I've been able to build because a certain guy named Mike Branson gave me the confidence to do it, whether you want to believe it or not, it's what happened. And so this is kind of a, uh, a byproduct of um, what you helped me believe in myself to go and do. And uh, well, you're changing lives, Chris. I mean, you know, yes, you built something remarkable, but you are changing lives. You're helping all these folks that you work with to make their businesses better, which makes their employees' lives better, which makes their customer lives better. So it's it's a it's a beautiful domino. And uh, you know, 
we're, those of us in HVC, we're, we're in something cool. We do some, in fact, every one of the, 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 the industries that you support, we're doing something important. We're doing something important, whether it's making people comfortable with, with clean, comfortable, right temperature air, whether it's hot water, whether it's getting that septic tank clean, whether it's getting that, I mean, that is important to somebody's life. And so everybody in this call, I hope, I assume they're very, very proud of what they do and they should be. Yeah. And I just want you guys to hear you guys, gals, obviously we have um, listeners of all shapes and sizes of all different um, industries. And, and um, you know, I, I just believe that this particular podcast, if you're listening and you listen over and over again, you're taking away something that you can implement to your business to make it better. To me, uh, this is as personal as it gets. I've, I was told early on a couple of things, Mike, whenever I first started going down this path, I remember um, a competitive agency of in my space that was much larger than me told me that I was making a mistake by focusing on HVAC only at that time. They said, you're pigeonholing yourself into uh, one little, you know, one industry and that's it. Well, I looked at it from the perspective of, yeah, thank goodness I've only got to focus on this one industry. And so if I do it every day, I should be the best at it. And if I'm the best at it, I can start to scale this thing because I can, now I know the industry, I can just chase the technology. But one thing I never stopped doing was trying to learn and then continue to give back. Even when I was so incredibly poor in the beginning and putting this business together, I still gave, I still was able to give back. So this particular podcast is my opportunity to give back to even those that I can't work with. Uh, and for, you know, for tall Paul to give back to those that he can't work with. We both come from different spaces in the industry but then you bring on our guests who have influence and one common denominator we're finding in the majority of everybody that's come on. And like I said, we're, and Paul was saying earlier, we're nearing, you know, getting close to hundred episodes um, is the overwhelming um, amount of people that are giving back in some way, shape or form, regardless of if they're a, I use air quotes, like a, a giant in the industry or not, everybody's willing to help and give back. I love that. And I'm a part of that. And I'm, and I'm super grateful for those things. But one thing I've, I continue to chase is, you know, I, I say this often, and I don't, I, get to, I don't say it on the podcast very often, but I feel like I've been given uh, Rhino Strategic Solutions as my platform to serve the masses. It's what I've been given um, to do, and I use it that way. So to me, I take it personal because I impact, you know, producer Kyle's life, I impact Ryan's life. And all my employees have, you know, lives that, and they want to they get better. They want to have a career path. Same with our customers. Our customers have families, employees who are relying on growing, and if somebody pays me money, I take it personal because they're expecting me to help bring in volume to grow their businesses and impact their families and their employees. And it doesn't get much more personal than that. So the unfortunate part is, is that in our type of business, I can't work with, uh, you know, five people in the same place in some markets. I have to minimize it. But the way I can, I can give back is to make sure that, you know, when I do have that person that comes on board that I can pour everything I've got into them and give them the opportunity to grow their businesses and impact those people. But I can just start to scale. So now I got to go into the, can you know, now we're in Canada and Australia and things of that nature. But now it's like, hey, what other industry can I start to move forward with to do the same thing and continue, keep scaling this thing? So thank you for sharing, you know, what you guys do too. And um, and, and also like you're, if you have guess the listeners haven't checked out, uh, their, the social media feed from these guys. You got to check out their social media. They do a great, great job on that stuff too. So nice little plug for McKenzie. Shout out to McKenzie. <laughs> but listen, and Mike, I'm so grateful for your time too. I know, like I said, you know, if time is, is your most valuable assets, all of our most valuable asset. And I'm super grateful that we finally made this thing happen because to the point listeners, this would not be here if it wasn't for the man on the other side of the microphone right now. Thank you so much, Chris. And, and to all the uh, to the point listeners, I can't wait to see you all in Las Vegas. 
propartnerconference.com slash rude or propartnerconference.com slash ream. Chris will be there. Paul will be there. Come see him. Give him a hug. And uh, we'll all be in the, at the MGM Grand the first week in March. All right? Absolutely. And we'll make sure to share that as well for you, too. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and again, you know, thank you, Mike. Tall Paul, appreciate your thoughtful questions. I'm going to go ahead and end this thing with a quick uh, review, and then we will get out of here and let you guys get on about your day or night, whatever you're doing. So five stars from Jay Brody Fun Jay. Uh, high praise from Canada. Uh, Canada, eh? Perfect. All Worked right. out great. So, uh, been listening for a year. Every episode is insightful and interesting. Certainly the best home services podcast available today. Thank you very much. Uh, I have shared with many individuals outside the industry who have become regular listeners as well. Since I'm, since I'm Canadian, my ask would be interview a Canadian. <laughs> Noted. That's Noted. a good there point. I don't know Noted. if we've done that. I will yeah. reach out. To I can set that up. With, let, All right. We, we got to get a Canadian on here pronto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've got some in the pipeline. Wonderful. Hey, Mike, thank you so much. Continue to be, uh, you know, continue to you know, give back and, and be a phenomenal leader. And I, and I appreciate um, your mentorship from you over the years, no matter what, no matter what position you've been in and has been, how busy you are. You've always um, responded back to me and given me time when I asked for it. So thank you. I appreciate that so much. Thank you very much, Chris. Great to be with you and with Paul, and uh, and keep it going, buddy. It's appreciate awesome, it. listeners. Get the one hundred when we get there. Absolutely. All right, thank you, absolutely, listeners. We appreciate you guys so much. Again, you know, if you guys would leave a review for us, that's everything to us. We appreciate you so much. Until next time, we'll see you. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.